Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Arizona. We welcome you to another uh, program concerning It's Just a Matter of Time, which of course is our um, uh, way of trying to say that we're going to be looking at Bible time statements. And uh, as our lead-in music is so uh, good about letting us know about all the ideas about time, which uh, that those lyrics were based, of course, on uh, the writings in Ecclesiastes, which are very logical. Good words, good melody, and this is a good topic, I hope, for you. It certainly has been for me. I'd like to welcome everyone. We really appreciate those tuning in to this study uh, and all of our other studies. And uh, we welcome you. This is the... Coolidge Christian Church broadcast, uh, Sunday morning uh, adult class, if you will, and uh, extended beyond that by quite a bit. 
We're going to pick up where we left off in Second Peter chapter 3. As you remember, uh, during our, our last two lessons, um, it was recommended by the writer of the book, uh, Restoration Cut Short, um, Samuel Dawson, that this study in Second Peter is very helpful in this idea of time statements, um, and especially uh, this chapter is especially helpful in the statement from Roman Catholicism that at the end of the world, the world will be destroyed uh, at the end of time or end of the world, however they phrased it. Um, <clears throat> then destruction, judgment, and all those different things. They have organized it in that way. Unfortunately, they should have used the scriptures for their organization or their outline. Um, that would have been helpful for, for a, a few centuries. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So uh, we're starting off uh, in last week's notes uh, had the last section, section four, um, and the, the heading on that was the world that was. Um, I know we have a little misprint today, but the word actually works also with this, <laughs> as we find out later on. But the world that was, uh, that's what Peter said. Uh, talking about the world that was. Well, obviously that's, he's talking about a historical fact in their understanding 2,000 years ago, right? They had history too. The world that was, I think, is necessary to understand the end of the age of the Jews. That's what he's trying to define here. So let's look at Second Peter, um, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, reading as we normally do from uh, Young's literal translation. And it says this. <clears throat> Peter said, For this is unobserved by them willingly, that the heavens were of old, and the earth out of water and through water, standing together by the word of God, through which the then world by water having been deluged, was destroyed. So that's verse 5 and 6. Um, now what's he talking about? Let's look at verse 6 here just a second. Through which the then world, that is the old world, he's talking about the world of Noah, right? The days of Noah. Uh, and by water, that world was deluged. It was destroyed. But we're going to find out later, actually in the very next verse, but I want to talk about this um, because this, in these verses here, they, they really show us the reality of the free will of man. Because what happened before the flood? Men were thinking evil thoughts continuously. It never let up. And it was, so, it was so disturbing to their creator, God, that he pretty much needed to do away with the whole thing. And then he remembered Noah, a righteous man. And Noah had a family, three sons, a wife. Um, and the sons had uh, wives. I don't know if they had wives at the time that God spoke to Noah, but 
later on they all they all did because there was eight on the ark. But this free will is obvious amongst men. They could choose. And most of them chose the wrong way. But his question is, Peter's question is, has the scoffers of t- today, the day that uh, 2,000 years ago, in uh, AD 65, 66, the scoffers of that day, had they forgotten that the end of all things in Noah's day came by water, but there were eight saved on the ark? Well, they weren't talking about it anymore. They were pretty much ignoring the whole thing, but they were doing so, and this is what's important, friends. They were doing so willingly. That means that they knew. They knew these things, but they were willingly ignoring them because they wanted to continue on with their, um, their scoffing, if you will. Complaining murmuring and causing trouble amongst the brethren uh, and saying God's made a lot of promises but none of them come to pass basically. So why are we waiting for the Lord's return? Why are these apostles preaching the nearness of the end of the covenant? I, I believe that when we went through Second Peter and during our studies through there that you had made, you drew a, a comparison to the Jews in the desert complaining and murmuring on their way to the promised land. Exactly. And uh, and uh, they were destroyed too. And some of them never saw the promise. Well, none of them that murmured did. And this is a condition that, that people are in. We have to struggle. We need to each one be careful of our thoughts in this way. I guess you call it negative thinking. But the old world, that is the world that had been before in the days of Noah, because the world changed dramatically after Noah and the flood, it perished by the word of God. The old world perished by the word of God. Now here's the the thing. What is it that perished? You see, in the same word will the Christ return in the parousia, as it's known, the, the event, the presence of the Lord. This is what the Jews were waiting for. The presence of the Lord that brought the end to, of the covenant. And if we look at uh, Romans 16:20, um, the Apostle Paul uh, was writing to the, the church in Rome um, I forget the the actual date of this writing, um, but I think it was uh, around 60 A.D., but or just before. Um, he says this to the church, uh, very near the end of his letter, <clears throat> in way of, I would call it a promise or a reminder of things that he's already been teaching. And he said, and the God of peace shall crush the adversary under your feet quickly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you amen now if you would have read that in Rome and you were a Christian you would have been reminded of what the Apostle Paul was talking about the event 
the parousia, the coming of the Lord that was at hand for the covenant people and the end of all things as far as the Jewish covenant goes. This is what they were talking about. Why would he remind Romans uh, 2,000 years ago uh, that these things were going to happen quickly and it was going to be done under their feet, that is figuratively the church, the body of Christ, would crush the works of Satan. Does that make any sense to you? No. This is uh, like the scholars uh, have said through the years, well, the, the apostles always preached of the, the, uh, the second advent as being very soon, but unfortunately they were wrong. Well, you know what? Maybe the unfortunate part is that we're not willing to understand or remember the writings of, the, of God's Word. And uh, I think before I'm going to dismiss something the apostles was preaching, I need to read it in the Bible. I need to have some confirmation before I start denying apostolic teaching. And that teaching is that the nearness is at hand. What world perished? What world was destroyed in the flood of Noah's day? Was it not the evil people of that day and their works? That's what it says in Genesis. The earth was wiped clean of everything that had breath in its nostrils, save those on the ark. The works of men were gone with their thinking. For Peter, in the day that Peter wrote this epistle, was writing from the very same earth that Noah had lived on. Um, now, I know the popular denominational churches and, and Christendom in general has been painting the destruction of the world with a very wide and, I might say, ignorant paintbrush. More study is needed before we say this about the end of the world. We need to understand what that means. We need more diligence to the Lord's teaching. May I remind you that the Lord spoke of these things as being soon? I need to remind you of, of what the Lord, has, as he spoke in Revelation, things to be at hand. Lo, I come quickly, he wrote and told John to write 1,900 years ago or better. These things kind of are glaring, aren't they? My question is, can we do better than this? And I hope we can. It is imperative that we do. And, you know, much more could be said in regard to Peter's skillful logic. What, the way he presents this and the way the, the inspiration of God's Word is, is laid out, there is really no argument against this logic. It's absolutely 100% true and easy to understand. But I think we've made the point here on his argument here concerning um, waiting or God not doing anything. Uh, it's been the, the way it has been since the very creation. That's what they were saying. God did this. That's what the deists said. Um, 
It's what I read they were saying 200 years ago or 250 years ago in America that God created everything and then went away to leave us to our devices. Well, it's kind of hard to prove that, isn't it? Also, I might remind you that in um, uh, to check out our lessons, we have 22 lessons on First and Second Peter that are listed on the TalkShoe.com page, where we went over Peter, First and Second Peter, 22 lessons, and um, taking it all together is very helpful. Now, this takes us up to verse seven, which puts the I think the icing on the cake. Uh, in Peter's warning, because this is a warning um, to the people reading this letter to not be swayed by these grumblers, by these uh, complainers. And it has to do with the present heavens and earth of Peter's day. Now he turns to this, see? He's given a history lesson. Now he's going to talk about today and tomorrow. In, in his world, the scoffers must have uh, must listen to this because he's going to tell them about some things. Second Peter three seven through nine, <clears throat> and the present heavens and the earth by the same word are treasured for fire being kept to the day of judgment and destruction of the impious men. Isn't this what God has always done? The destruction of impious men? Yes. Before, a, a number of times, and in the future. See, this is future for Peter. How far in the future? Uh, we, we have some different ideas how far in the future. But nonetheless, in the future... Verse 8, and this one thing let not be unobserved by you, beloved, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow in regard to the promise, as certain count slowness, but in long suffering to us, not consoling uh, any to be lost, but all to pass on to reformation. By the way, you know, verse 9 is kind of a devastating death knell to Calvinism. <laughs> There's a lot of people that <laughs> we keep running into their it. position, though. <laughs> well, you know, a thousand years being a day, a day being a thousand years. And yeah, I understand that, but verse 9 kind of puts an end to uh, uh, <laughs> the whole idea of uh, those, some being selected for salvation and others to be lost. Because God is not consulting any to be lost. That's why he's delaying the parousia, the end of the age, that, that, uh, that, so that none will be lost if possible. That all may pass on to reformation, which reformation leads to salvation, leads to life without end in the kingdom of God. So the scoffers had it all wrong. They were blaming God for and, and putting him in a bad light when it actually, in the actual fact, the idea is that God was waiting on them. 
Um, and we'll talk about verse 8. There's lots of ideas on how verse 8 is looked at, but the present heavens and earth. Peter speaks about the heavens and earth. Jesus spoke about the heavens and earth. The prophets of old spoke of the heavens and earth, and we always need to understand in the context they're speaking, the heavens and earth is not in this context or, or Matthew 5, 17 and 18 context and Isaiah. It's not the ground, the sky, the sun, the moon, and the stars, but in this case it is exactly what it says. It's, it's the covenant, uh, the Jewish covenant people, her rulers, their possessions, the temple, all that made the land of the Jews, Jewish and covenant people, was to be taken away as prophesied. That's what we have to remember. This didn't just suddenly come upon the scene, caught the Jewish people by surprise, and it was all over. No, no. It was prophesied by the prophets of old. They knew it was coming. They spoke of the end of the age and the Messiah. They knew these things, but they're just like we are today. They just keep procrastinating. They just keep hoping for the best. Uh, I'll do it tomorrow. I won't, you know, I don't need to make this decision. No, you do need to make this decision every day that the thought comes into your head. The day of judgment of impious men and their destruction. It happened through water in Noah's day during the time in the desert of the 40 years trek. The ground opened up and the murmurs and the complainers and, and the impious went into the earth and were never seen again. That was God's doing, not, not men's. It wasn't a war. It was God's punishment for no faith. The day of judgment. Now it was reserved, even though it talks about the present heavens and earth. Um, uh, by the same word, are treasured. See, this is God's care for everything. But for fire now is being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of impious men. That's to come. Now, God has already shown that he has done it before. The scoffers needed to understand that they don't want to be in the camp of the impious. And he didn't want anybody else to fall into that, that camp either. So just as water had, the impious had perished, now fire was going to be the, uh, the issue for the impiety and the things that were to be taken away. Fire, not water. God promised that he'd never destroy the impious by water again. And he set the bow in the sky that we call a rainbow to, to remind us every time we see it, <laughs> sin will not be punished by a flood again. But it, but it was promised now that fire would be the punishment. What we have now is life through, through water and, and baptism. And, and we do. Just as the ark was covered with, I remember David gave a communion meditation one time about the ark was covered in pitch. And that word pitch is the same word 
for blood. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you find that in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter, not 2 Peter. Um, <clears throat> that is exactly true. We're saved by water, which is, in, the, in our case, baptism and Christianity. All right. So, the next verse, he uh, rather, um, he, he kind of puts a, puts a real stamp of authority on it. Uh, because this is called, this is referred to as apostolic command uh, or apostolic doctrine, the principles the apostles taught. And, and this one we need to be aware of, and he said it in uh, AD 65, 66, somewhere in that time period. Much tr- turmoil in Jerusalem. The Jews and the Romans were, were were fighting and and having all kinds of problems. But Peter wasn't worried about the Romans. Peter was worried about the scoffers leading away the saints into a misunderstanding that would cause them to fall away from the faith. That's his battle. He had no battle with the Romans. The Romans were fighting the impious Jews of that day not the pious we don't we don't want to under uh, forget that okay second peter 3 verses 10 and 12 and this is how he says states this and it will come the day of the lord as a thief in the night See, they've been saying nothing's happening. God's not doing anything since the day of creation. But he says it will come, just as these, all these other things have. The day of the Lord as a thief in the night, unexpected, in which the heavens with a rushing noise will pass away and the elements with burning heat will be dissolved and the earth and the works in it shall be burnt up. Friends, look at these words and remember... Remember the figurative words of, of the past, Bible words. These things refer to things that will happen to the impious. Okay? Uh, and the heavens and the earth of the New Testament is Judah and Jerusalem. Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 11, all these then. Being dissolved, what kind of persons doth it behoove you to be in holy behaviors, in pious acts? That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? Waiting for and hastening to the presence of the day of God, by which the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements with burning heat shall melt. Now Young's using... Uh, good grammar and of course the the right words uh, for the Greek words Uh, most of our Bibles of course would talk about the presence uh, or or the coming of the day of the Lord and things of the sort the idea friend is that what the Jewish people knew is that the presence of the Messiah would be at the end of the covenant would be on that day of the Lord and that day of the Lord is spoken about in the Old Testament This is what they were waiting for. And this is what Peter is talking about. 
Now let's refresh ourselves with the heaven and earth again. Let's look at Isaiah 1, 1 and 2. Isaiah written um, about 100 years before Daniel. Uh, so about 600 years before Jesus. Here's what Isaiah starts his letter, his book off. The visions of Isaiah, son of Amos. And he has seen concerning... Uh, that he has seen, that is, Isaiah has seen through prophecy concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now, you see, that's the, that's the tone of this entire letter. The entire book of Isaiah is about what? Judah and Jerusalem. And, of course, other, other peoples that may interact with them. But the theme is Judah and Jerusalem. Those are the walls of the cradle. That's right. The walls of the cradle, that's great. And... He, um, he's a prophet of God, the God of the covenant people. And all of this occurred in the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Asa, Hezekiah. They were all kings of Judah, and uh, Isaiah was alive during those days. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For Jehovah has spoken. Sons I have nourished and brought up, and they, they, transgress against me. Now, friends, do you think Isaiah just looked up into the sky? He wanted to talk to the heavens and, and the earth. Hopefully it bounced back. Or do you think the heavens and the earth are exactly what we find in verse 1, Judah and Jerusalem? Hear, O Judah. Give ear, O Jerusalem. That's how it is, and that's the way it is throughout the Scriptures. Uh, Unless there is a Judah, land of Judah, and in the context of it, it'll be spoken of. It doesn't mean anything other than Judah. In Jerusalem, it's not heavens and earth in every context, but in this one, certainly it is. Then in Matthew 5, Jesus said, after the Beatitudes, after he spoke to the apostles about them being salt and light, and what that they needed to be the light of the world as he was, they were not to be under a basket. No, they were to be seen and heard. He and Jesus said, Do not suppose that I came to throw down the law or the prophets. I did not come to throw down, but to fulfill. For verily I say to you, till the heaven and the earth may pass away, one iota and one tittle may not pass away from the law, till that all may come to pass. It's all right there, friends. The whole thing is right there. This is Jesus telling the Jews, telling the apostles. Now, even after Jesus had told them this, when we read in Matthew 24, they still had questions about when are these things to be. They didn't doubt that they were going to be, but they wanted to know when. Wouldn't you want to? I would. And it was before the day of Pentecost. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's right. Now, to confirm what just was said here, because, you see, the heavens and the earth are going to pass away, but not until, not until uh, all things must come to pass. The law won't pass away until all things come to pass. So when did that happen? Well, let's look at Luke, at Luke 21, rather, verse 20 and through 22. 
This is Jesus speaking about the end of uh, the days of the Jewish covenant. This is what he was teaching. It's found in Matthew, Luke, and Mark. Pretty much the same, although all of them together are really good. And he said this to the apostles, And when you, that is the apostles, may see Jerusalem surrounded by encampments, then know that come nigh did her desolation. That's the end of the covenant, friends. Because Jerusalem is the home of Judaism. And when it's gone, and by the way, that word desolation, uh, not in this verse, I'm not sure about this verse, but in Matthew 23, where he said, I leave your houses left to you desolate. It means left to your captors, and you will not return. It's not yours any longer. It's not just, they didn't just lose a battle. They lost the war. Things came to an end. Verse 21, Jesus said, Then those in Judah, let them flee the mountains, and those in her midst, let them depart out. And those in the countries, let them not come into her. Because, because these are days of vengeance to fulfill all things that have been written. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. Fulfilling all things that have been written by who? By the prophets of old concerning Judah and Jerusalem. The days of vengeance of God. But there were also those that were awaiting the return. And they waited and, and, and this, these things came upon them. Okay. That's the heaven and earth that Peter's talking about. He's talking about the, the end of the, the covenant. Um, the scoffers were not really thinking about the end of the covenant. They were trying to find something um, exciting for them coming their way. Well, I don't know how exciting uh, being impious is, but um, it, was, it was not a good thing for them to be doing. And these words are for them too. He wanted everyone, every Christian, to be reading these words and looking at these things in a Bible way. Now, by the way, we have a word here that a lot of people make a big uh, a noise about, about the elements being dissolved and destroyed. And what do we think of when we think of the word elements? And this is, a, this is an easy mistake for us to make, and I'm, I'm sure they must have done the same thing. Uh, it's, it's very, it's, the, the meaning is often misunderstood, and it surely it was by me for many, many years. But this word, this Greek word for elements is used seven times in the New Testament. Uh, stochion, I guess, is how I would say it. And it stands for the idea of rudiments of, uh, the, the parts of something, okay? Uh, rudiments of the law it's used as to, to cover. Rudiments of the Mosaic Covenant. Rudiments of the beggarly things of all men and their thinking. 
on the rudiments of things such as the days and months and seasons and, and all of these particulars. All of these things. All of these things. So what are we back to again? We're back to the, to the covenant arrangement of the Jewish covenant and the idea that it was coming to an end. It was going to be coming to an end. Those that were righteous and faithful would receive their reward and those that were impious and unbelieving would be destroyed along with all of these things. The idea was, were they ready for that kind of an end? See, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, then the end. The end. Not the end of time. We already went through that. Not the end of time, but the end of the covenant. You know the problem with us folks, we live in our own little world and we forget that many, many years ago, God had people too. God had a covenant with the Jewish people. Wonderful people. Wonderful covenant. Wonderful promises. And all of it came to fruition with a wonderful Savior. We forget that. It's not just about us. And if we would remember all of that, we're not going to have a hard time dealing with this. The scoffers shouldn't have had a hard time either, but they were having a hard time. Never in, this, in the New Testament does the word stochion um, in the Greek that, that we translate as elements, never does it refer to the minerals or makeup of the earth being melted with fervent heat and being gone. We can go to Jerusalem right now, friends, and we're going to find a lot of stuff around there that if something was going to be melted, it would be melted. But we've got pre-Herodian stones still underneath the, the walls. Stones that were put there uh, before Christ was born are in the ground. We need to understand these things and, and give, it, give it a chance. Now here's the thing. Pious men were waiting for this day. Um, and, you know, we talk about the destruction. We talk about the end of the covenant. We talk about the, the calamity for the Jewish people. And that's all, all very true. But remember, through it all, through it all, there were pious men. There were pious Jewish men and women that had accepted the Messiah. Many of them had been martyred and died. They had a promise. They were going to be caught up. They were going to be uh, uh, resurrected when the Lord returned along with the righteous Jews from, from centuries before. The dead in Christ, the pious dead, would be raised to victory and to reward. And then there was also a resurrection of the impious and the unbelieving. But the destruction of the impious, those that were alive and well, that's a big part of the end of this covenant. But remember there were righteous and pious people during that period that were waiting. And we can read about it. I call it the Prusia because that's what the, it means the presence of Christ, which is the end of the age, which is the day of the Lord, which is all the things that the prophets wrote about before in the New Testament speaks of. 
in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, <clears throat> Paul's writing here a second letter to the church in Thessalonica and makes it, uh, uh, they've been being persecuted. They were having a lot of trouble from, um, from Gentiles and also from, from Judaizers, from Jewish people that re- were, had rejected Christ and were punishing these people because there were Jewish people in the congregation that were Christians and Gentiles at a mix. They were being under much pressure, I imagine. But he says this to them, reminding of them what was coming their way. It hadn't happened yet. It was going to. And it says this, um, and to you who are troubled, rest with us in Revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with messengers of his power. Now you see what's being said here. You that are troubled, rest with us. Have, take this as a consolation. With us, us, the apostles. They, they knew it was coming and they knew they'd be there. Rest with us in the revelation of the Lord. That is, in the, the presence of the Lord Jesus from heaven. He comes from heaven with messengers of his power that we consider angels. In flaming fire, which, which is the word for judgment, giving vengeance to those knowing not God and to those not obeying the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not obeying the gospel of Christ. Flaming fire was coming that their way. Who shall suffer justice, destruction, time without end, from the face of the Lord and from the glory of his strength? Now here's the verse I want to emphasize. When he may come to be glorified in his saints. In other words, his saints are awaiting this day. And to be wondered at in all those believing because our testimony was believed among you in that day. We'll pause there. So, there was a wonderful promise for those that had believed, both the Jews who had accepted their Messiah and the Gentiles that had come into Christ by obeying the very same gospel message and the very same terms of pardon that the Jews uh, had amongst them. But there was a day that, that came, and I believe that it has came, according to Scripture and according to the events of Jewish history. And we have the Bible, the book of Revelation, of course, explains it. It doesn't give uh, 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 the day, the time, or the year, <laughs> but it's all there. Uh, and it fits in with not only the rest of Scripture, but the time statements in Revelation. We haven't used many of them in this study, uh, but they're certainly there. All the way, Revelation starts out with the idea of this is at hand, and it ends the very same way. Lo, I come quickly. All of the th- things in the middle are going to happen in that in that 
in that time statement. Now, at hand, and lo, I come quickly, what kind of a time frame would you give that? Can we be honest? Can we be honest? We need to be honest with ourselves and reject the futuristic look and the misappropriation of words in the Bible. That's what my complaint is. Uh, we read the Bible and then we talk about the end of the world or the end of time uh, and things like this. We don't have any idea of the end of time. We don't know a thing about the end of time. And we're not going to know in this life. You know, Deuteronomy 29.29 is still in the Bible. The secret things of God are for him to know. But what has been revealed to you, and then that day the law and the covenant, is for you. That's what we have. We have the word of God that's been given to us. We don't go beyond that. We don't say uh, the end of time is going to be this, then, or some other time. We don't know that. Uh, we don't have any idea what we're saying when we say that. So that, that's my concept here, and hopefully it's been useful to you today. Um, we have more to read, so we're probably going to have one more lesson upon this subject um, in, in Second Peter and uh, kind of put things together a little bit in, uh, in a conclusion uh, next week, I hope. So thank you for your attention today. I hope these words have been useful. And um, uh, remember to reread these scriptures that we go over so that not only do you know they're there, but you're con they are more better confirmed in your mind and heart. And with that, we, we pray that you have a blessed week in the Lord. And we say good day. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.